Great to see everybody. How's it going? Great. Um, I don't feel like I've preached here for quite a few weeks. That's because I haven't. I've had a lovely time just sitting down there watching everybody else preach. And we've been working our way through the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we've been exploring some of the teaching that's reflected in the Lord's Prayer, hearing from different people over the last month or so. We heard from Joe, we heard from Lynn, uh, Matthews with her powerful story. We heard from Johnny talking about your kingdom, the kingdom, the coming of the kingdom. We heard from Chris talking about provision and daily bread. And we heard last week from Mark talking about forgiveness. And, uh, you know, the, um, the show isn't over because next week Chris Parsons is going to be sharing with us as well. Um, if you're in a life group, as has already been said, you'll be working through the prayer course. And even if you're not in a life group, um, the prayer course is online, and I would advise you to have a look at that material. Um, it's excellent. And that's a course that works through the Lord's Prayer with some brilliant teaching from Pete Gregg, and then some specific questions and discussion where you can interact with the material, and then some specific tools and different ways to pray. Um, and uh, I've had a number of people feedback uh, from that course over the last two or three weeks saying that how, how, how powerful and how helpful they have found it in terms of getting engaged with prayer again. Well, these Sunday talks aren't designed to repeat the stuff that's going on in life groups. They're designed to work around it and complement it. And um, so today's uh, talk um, picks up this line from the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's the verse that we're going to focus on this morning. It's there in Matthew uh, chapter 6 and verse 3. And really, this is a talk about, um, uh, about spiritual warfare or about overcoming evil or about standing firm in the face of difficult times. It's appropriate for this morning, don't you think? Spiritual warfare is a reality for all of us. And if you're not someone who's chosen to follow Jesus, you might find this a little bit weird. You might be thinking, oh, what are they talking about? Angels and demons and devils. But I think everybody, whether or not you believe in God, everyone can recognise the basic narrative of good and evil. Whether you're into Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Narnia, Shakespeare, or most of the other stories in life, you know, overcoming evil is a, is a reality in our world. And for followers of Jesus, spiritual warfare is very much part of our lives, something we will experience, something we will have to learn to deal with. And when we do, the reality is it helps us grow closer to God, it helps us grow in our faith. It's the same with my kids. Just imagine I'm a dad and my kids are having a difficult time, maybe something tough is happening to them. I, as a father, can't always step in and stop that thing happening to them, nor would I want to, even if I could, sometimes. Okay? Sometimes tough things happen to my kids. I probably phrased that wrong. I, I would if I could, but I can't. Sometimes stuff happens to my kids that's as a result of decisions that they have made. And hard as it is, they have to learn from the consequences of that, and I can hold their hand and help them through it. Sometimes stuff happens to my kids that has nothing to do with them. It just happens. And although I'd love to change it, I can't, but as a dad, I can be there in it with them. I can help them walk through it. I can help them grow through it, and I can comfort them and be with them. And I think, this, I think it's a bit like that with us and God. And so this verse, lead us not into temptation. The, the word temptation can be, um, it can be, it can be um, translated as temptation. It can be translated as t- testing, testing or trial. Okay, another way to, you might have heard the different translation is, lead us not into times of trial. Lead us not into uh, circumstances that are going to be difficult for us, that are going to possibly tempt us to sin. 
That's kind of what the general sense is. We know from the Bible that God is not into tempting believers. He doesn't, he's not the one who tempts us. But sometimes, as I've just explained, he allows us to be in situations where we will be tested. I mean, this happened to Jesus in the wilderness, didn't it? God allowed him to be led into a difficult situation where he was put to the test, tempted. And we know that as apprentices, as apprentices of Jesus for us, hardships and trials are going to come our way. Uh, he doesn't cause them, but he does allow us to have that opportunity to grow. In fact, um, the book of James, James teaches us that actually, it's, he says, consider it pure joy when you face trials. I'm not sure that I can quite honestly, hand on heart, say that's my reality all of the time. Oh, trials, difficult times, joy. That's not my first reaction. Maybe it's yours and you're more holy than I am. But, um, you know, but look, he says, that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and perseverance produces maturity. And so the, the reality is, and we can see this with our kids, can't we, that as they walk through difficult times, learning perseverance, it produces maturity. And Jesus' encouragement in this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, is to say, lead us not into times of trial. It's a bit of a knife edge, isn't it? Because on one hand, Jesus is saying, don't lead us to times of trial because they're going to be hard and we might sin. On the other hand, Jesus is, or the Bible seems to be saying, when times of trial do come, they are good for us and will help us grow. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a paradox, isn't it? Um, it's a fine balance, I think, that we have to walk through. He also says, deliver us from evil in that previous verse. Deliver us from evil. And evil or the evil one or Satan or uh, however we uh, want to think of that. You know, the prayer is deliver us from anything that the evil one would have on us. And you know, in our 21st century enlightened and logical worldview, it sometimes feels a bit weird, doesn't it, to be talking about demons and dark forces and devils. But our worldview, in comparison to the history of the world, is relatively new. And for most of our world, most people have acknowledged the presence of good and bad forces that are somewhere beyond ourselves. And that's a biblical worldview. And in Jesus' time, even Jesus addressed different groups of people. The people that he talked to, some of the religious groups were sort of all about the, uh, the demons and the angels and the spiritual forces. And they had what you might term a naturally unhealthy obsession <laughs> with with uh, devils and spirits and all of that. And on the other hand, there were groups that Jesus addressed that were sort of like, well, yeah, maybe, but we don't really want anything to do with those. Let's just stay with what we know. Actually, that was the truth in the time of Jesus, and it's the truth for believers now. It's not really changed over 200 years. And uh, there's a quote from C.S. Lewis where he says this. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve their existence, and the other is to believe and feel an unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors. So the devil's happy if you don't believe he exists, or if you want to spend all your time thinking about him. He'll be happy either way. Okay, and so we need to inhabit a middle ground where we totally acknowledge what's going on, that there is a war going on, but we make sure that our focus stays absolutely and solely on Jesus. And that's where we live, when we live in the spiritual warfare. And generally, we don't talk about Satan too much, because frankly, we just don't want to give him the attention. But the reality is that evil is present in our world, and we do live in the midst of a war, and it's important to grasp hold of that. In fact, Pete Gregg, in the prayer course, says, if we don't understand spiritual warfare, we don't understand prayer. So understanding what's going on here you know, the, is, is important. The Bible clearly describes Satan, God's enemy, in a number of ways. He's described as a roaring lion, 
prowling around waiting for looking for someone to devour. He's described as the murderer, the father of lies, and um, pictured as a snake uh, deceiving right back in the early, early Garden of Eden story. And so Paul describes in Ephesians, it's a really well-known passage, and describes what's going on here. He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And sometimes we need reminding that there's more going on than simply what we can see in front of us. And we need to get this in perspective that Jesus already won an ultimate victory dying on the cross, that God's resurrection power brought him back to life, that ultimately the devil is defeated, and that there will be in a future, a day in the future, one day when Jesus will return, he will restore all things, all things will be made new. And there won't be any problems anymore with spiritual battles. We don't live there yet, but it's coming. And the kingdom is not yet fully realized. And we live in the gap between the resurrection of Jesus and the return of Jesus. And we partner with him in this place to bring his kingdom to the earth. And so while we do that, there continues to be opposition. And yes, it does sometimes feel like we're in a war. What do we do about that? Well, God teaches us that we stand in that place. And Paul uses this absolutely brilliant analogy of armour, the armour of God. I don't have uh, ages to go into all of this this morning, but you'll know this passage fairly, fairly well, I would imagine, and, and it's based on the sort of idea of Roman soldier army uh, armour. Um, I've actually produced a sheet of which there are some here and some at the back, and you're welcome to take one afterwards. And on the, it's got a couple of different things on it for this morning, but one of them is an armour of God prayer workshop. Worksheet, not workshop prayer worksheet where you can just work through these different things and just there's a little couple of things to reflect on how do I pray the armor of God so it says the belt of truth stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your righteousness you know what's truth for me today and my advice to us as we uh, take this on is to is to uh, dig into that for ourselves take the sheet away with you and have a look you see The Bible doesn't teach us that we need to go out looking for trouble, but leading a kingdom life, it teaches that when trouble comes, we stand firm and fight. Okay, When trouble comes to us, we stand firm and fight using the spiritual equipment, the resources that we have been given, truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. You see, we don't fight unarmed. We are not ill-equipped. We are equipped. I mean, imagine yourself standing up to an enemy army that are coming towards you with nothing to protect yourself or defend yourself with. That wouldn't work, would it? We'd be toast. And so God does give us protection. He gives us weapons, but we do have to choose to put them on and use them. We do have to choose to stand in the truth. We do have to choose to know that we are made righteous. We do have to choose to take the shield of faith and put it up to extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. And sometimes that's where we get a bit stuck. And if we don't know the truth of who we are, if we believe the lies the enemy's feeding to us, then we're going to act on them more than we're going to act on the truth of who we are. Does this make sense? It's so easy to be intimidated by our circumstances. And the battle rages, and most of the time it rages in our minds. Let me read you a little um, quote from uh, George, George Bernard Shaw. A Native American elder once described his own inner struggles in this manner. Inside of me, he said, there are two dogs. One of the dogs is mean and evil. The other dog is good. The mean dog fights the good dog all the time. When asked which dog wins, he reflected for a moment and replied, the one I feed the most. 
So how do we feed the good dog? How do we feed the good dog that's inside? How do we make sure that we are equipped for battle? And the truth is, we, we do that with the truth and with God's word and with the spirit. And the next verse, I haven't got it up here, but the next verse that comes after that says, and Paul says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And if you keep watching the prayer course, you'll come to this in the next two or three weeks. Pete Greg will talk about really specifically how to pray into this stuff. I'm not going to touch on that material so much now. But I want to just reflect on this and how, how we stand firm. And I've got three questions I'd like us to reflect on. Okay, Three questions that we can explore and think about as we stand firm in this battle. And the first question is, do I know who I am? Do I know who I am? Or another way you might want to ask this question is, do you know who I am? You hear about these celebrities, they're going up to the, going up to the uh, I heard one guy talk once, going up to a restaurant, you know, and um, not being recognised, and saying, sorry, do you know who I am? <laughs> yeah. And that comes over a bit arrogant, doesn't it? But actually, it's a great question. When the devil comes to you and starts tempting you with lies and mistruth and rubbish, one of the questions you can say is, do you know who I am? And if you can't face that one, then start asking yourself, do I know who I am? Do we know who we are? This truth piece, it starts with us knowing and fully embracing our identity, and our identity is in Christ. You see, when we choose to follow Jesus, we undergo a fundamental change. I mean, we're talking like a caterpillar to a butterfly, the kind of change that doesn't go in reverse, right? We can try and live in the old, and imagine, imagine a caterpillar trying to live like a butterfly, you know, it doesn't work, does it? We can try and live in the old way, but it's not going to bring life. It's going to be pointless. We are new people with a new nature. Our fundamental nature has changed. That's what, there's loads of teaching in the Bible around this, around Romans and Ephesians and all of Paul's letters. Here's one. Oh, hang on. No, sorry. I'm jumping ahead too fast. One example that I don't have up there is in Ephesians chapter 2. Let me read it to you. It says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, Paul says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms of Jesus Christ. Now, let me show you a simple graphical way to describe this. This comes courtesy of Brian Nicholson, who's a wonderful uh, fellow who used to be part of this church. And um, he just talks about first, this is, this is just a very simple um, graphical way of, uh, of showing the journey of Jesus Christ on this earth, okay? So it start, he starts off being with the creator up in heaven. We've got three levels here, you'll see. He starts off being creator up in heaven uh, with, 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 with God. He comes down to earth, born on the earth, okay, goes through his life, dies on the earth, is buried, some people say in the depths, okay, so he's dead, finished, down there, is raised to life again, and then is ascended back up to heaven. And then he sends from there, sends down his Holy Spirit to be with us. Now, that's a, a timeline, a very, very simple graphical timeline of Jesus' journey. And if you look carefully, you can see that the timeline for us, that's Christ. But what about the Christian? It looks very similar. Okay, you see, we are created by God and we are born of the Spirit. At some point in our lives, we are born of the Spirit. At some point in our lives, we make a decision to follow Jesus, and he comes in, and our nature changes. 
You know, and, it's, and along, along that line there, we also, at the point that we say yes to Jesus and no to me, we put ourselves to death. And so we die with Christ. And there's a little picture of a guy being baptised here. And there's, I can't go into all this, I don't have the time, but the significance and the symbolism of what goes on in the baptism service is incredible. You know, we put to death our old nature and we are raised with Christ. And so this is the journey that Christians go through. And then it says, as I've just read in Ephesians 2, we are, it says we are ascended with Christ. So that you are here, Ara, that's where Christians reside. Now, it might not feel like you reside there. That might not feel like your reality. But according to the Bible, that is our status. That is the authority that we have. That is the place where our spirit dwells. Okay? We're no longer sinners, but we are saints. And when we know our identity and we know who we are, when we know who we've been made to be, then we're able to know the authority with which we can act. You see, our identity is in Christ, and he says, all authority is given to me, he says, and I'm giving it to you. Now, there's a difference between authority and power. The authority is the right to rule. The power is the ability to rule. You know, our authority, our right to rule over our lives and to bring God's kingdom is based on the identity that he gives us from being with Christ. That gives us the right to rule. It's like a policeman. He'll rock up to a house where he knows a criminal is, ready to arrest him, and he'll knock on the door and hold up his badge or whatever he does and say, I have the authority on behalf of the crown to arrest you. Okay, I have the right to extend the rule of law in this place. That's the authority. Now, the policeman may have the right. He may or may not have the power to actually make that arrest. Usually, he'll take some resources with him, some other policemen, and maybe some gizmos, and, you know, one of them fancy things that takes you through the door in two seconds flat. You know, but he'll, he'll, he'll take whatever resources he needs to get the job done, but the authority's never in question. Do you see? And the authority that comes from the badge, and for us, it's the same. The authority to rule over forces of darkness to rule and to take authority in our spheres of influence comes from our identity. And so it's really important that we know who we are. So when we say, you know, do you know who I am? And you can kind of say to the devil, you can't really, I don't advise it like this, but in your mind, think about it. Do you, do you actually know who I am? I'm a child of God here. I don't need to put up with this rubbish. I try that in my house sometimes. It doesn't really work. You know, <laughs> do you know who I am? Yes. <laughs> you know, um, it's so easy to forget in the face of intimidation and stress and anxiety who we actually really are. It's so easy to revert to old thinking and old nature. And when tough things are happening, we often just need to, the first thing I try and do now, I've learned to do is just to pause and just to remind myself of who God says I am. And for me, that might happen by just literally turning up some verses in the Bible or sticking on a worship track you know, who am I? Who am I? Don't forget, I am a child of God. I am in Christ. And so that's the first question. Question one, who am I? Okay, do I know who I am? Second question, is this just happening? You see, it's important that we understand the nature of what's going on here. I've already touched on this, but here's another diagram that might help. We exist in a world where there's both a heavenly realm and a natural world. 
Okay, the Bible describes this. This is a biblical worldview. There's a whole realm going on where, uh, which we can't see. Generally, we can't see it. There are angelic beings. There are demonic beings. It's spiritual. It's mostly invisible. And then there's the world that we live in, the natural realm, the physical, the visible. And we exist in the world between. It's not like that. Okay? We, what, what it is is that we live in two realms at the same time, and we hold in tension two different kingdoms. Okay? And sometimes we catch a glimpse of what the heavenly realm is doing. This morning, we're here, we're worshipping God. And I don't know about you, but I can sense God's presence. I can sense something shift in the room when all of us come and worship. Can you do that, or is it just me? So we're touching into something of the heavenly realm. It's there. We catch a glimpse of it. You know, we might pray for somebody, they might get healed. Okay, we might see God encounter them. We've learned that we can bring this heavenly realm to our realm, that we have something doing it, that we have a part to play. Um, and the truth is that there is a war going on, and that sometimes we don't see everything that's going on. So there's a great story in uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, and it's about Elisha and his servant. And, uh, and what happens is, I haven't got time to read you the whole story, but basically what happens is, you can look it up for yourselves in Two Kings, is that Elisha's there, and they are facing an enemy army, and the enemy army are in the camp, and Elisha is there, and his servant is there, and the servant looks at all these enemies and thinks, we're going to get slaughtered here. We're going to get slaughtered. This isn't going to happen. We're going to get I'm scared. I'm fearful. And he turns to Elisha, and he says, what's going to happen? I'm really scared. How are we going to get out of this? And Elisha just says, ah, oh, just open his eyes, Lord. Okay, and all of a sudden, somehow, God opens the eyes of this servant, and suddenly he sees behind the enemy's army are the hosts of heaven, all around, ready to, ready to fight, ready to fight, ready to win. And it's almost like as soon as the servant's eyes are opened, his perspective changes, and he suddenly realizes, oh, this battle's won already. This battle's already won, and that's the reality of most of our situations, that there are resources. And one of our prayers can be, Lord, open our eyes. Open our eyes to see what's really going on here. You know, it it's, it's, can be easy just to look at the natural realm of what's in front of us and not see through heaven's eyes. And we need to learn to ask the Lord to reveal, Lord, what is going on in this situation? What's actually happening? Because sometimes events in the heavenly realms have a direct impact on what's happening in our world. That's not to say that every single bad thing that happens to us is the result of a demon. That's not true. Sometimes it is just happening. But sometimes it isn't just happening. There's a reason behind it. And that's where we need for discernment. You know, is my, mad, is my bad mood just happening? Is my strained marriage just happening? Is the disintegrating relationship between parent and child just happening? Is the tension and division that I see just happening? Not all hardships come from, an, from the enemy. Sometimes, as I've said at the beginning of this, they come as a consequence of decisions and actions that we have taken. Sometimes they come as a consequence of decisions and actions that other people have taken. Sometimes it seems like there's no real, real reason. They're just natural. But if we believe that God is a force working for good in the world and working to uphold this world, then there must be also an enemy who's working against that and trying to steal and kill and destroy and when we look around us, we see some of that played out before us. And so we don't make it a big focus. We don't spend hours and hours talking about and thinking about and praying about the devil. But it is good to have our eyes opened. You know, I asked this question this week for us. For Joe and I, we had um, three things happen this week. 
um, in very quick succession. Now, all of these things were things that perhaps in the normal run of events, you think, oh yeah, that sometimes happens. They all caused us a degree of uh, stress or anxiety. One was uh, related to our car, one was related to some difficult conversations, and one was related to a member of our family having a really difficult time. Now, each of these things on their own, you think, yeah, could happen, a bit stressful. When all three happened in the space of three or four days, I started to say to Joe, I wonder if this is just happening, or if there's something going on behind this, if, if there's some kind of spiritual... And then, and then as I thought back, I thought, oh, when did the car thing happen? Well, it happened about two hours after. Joe and I had an incredible... Um, encounter with God, just a real breakthrough conversation. This was a week ago. Uh, we were just um, sitting in a coffee shop, having, reviewing our week and discussing various different things. And we both just felt like we had a really powerful encounter with God. We felt like we saw some really clear strategies for the way ahead with one or two things in the church. Uh, at the same time as that, we had an email from somebody who wanted to come meet with us from out of the blue uh, that looked like a real God thing. We had uh, a uh, somebody, the Bible verse for that day um, said, said something and then we looked up and we saw some signs on a wall that also spoke in this. four different things happened in the space of a day that made us think oh God is speaking to us this is a really powerful encounter three hours later my car broke down and I didn't really put two and two together until the next two things happened and so this week I found myself on one day in the middle of an absolute massive stress just living with fear and anxiety, partly because of what was going on in our lives. And, you know, add to that the stress of the, the hype, the, the, well, I don't know if it's hype, but all the media stories about the virus, add to that. You know, um, one morning it was absolutely chucking it down with rain like this, and that was, I was finding that stressful. Uh, the internet stopped working at my house, that's another thing that's kind of stressful. Um, I, I get to work, and then I read this thing, oh, by the way, flybees collapsed. Okay, my daughter lives in Northern Ireland, it's the best way to go, and so we've lost some flights, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Now... I actually started to think for a couple of minutes that the, the, the whole of the flyby collapse was just all about the devil getting at me. <laughs> and then I sort of got a bit of perspective and realised that's not quite true. Um, but actually, sometimes when you're in the middle of all that, I, I think there's something going on. That I think um, all of those situations may have be there for different reasons, but the timing of it all felt like a spiritual attack to me. So what do I do about that? Stop praying about the demons? No, I don't. I just say, Lord, I'm going to worship you. First and foremost, I'm just going to stand. I'm going to pray in the armour of God, and I'm going to worship. You see, we do have a choice, don't we? We can choose to lean into fear and run away and give up and lose sight of what God has told us to do and just go, oh, that's it, I'm done, I'm out of here. Or we can choose to lean, not into fear, but lean into God and stand our ground and persevere and continue to try and walk in what God has said us to walk. And that's the challenge for us. That's the challenge for us. Now, I'm slightly running out of time, but on my sheet is a lovely paragraph called Mind Management, which, again, you might want to pick up and read for yourself, because it's just another helpful insight into this. But my last question this morning, I've asked two questions already. One is, uh, do I know who I am? The second one is, is this just happening? And the third question is, just a real check at this point, is how close am I to God? Okay, Because th there's a reality in terms of the proximity of how close we are to God. And what I've found in my life, about 35 years of trying to follow Jesus, is that if there's any distance in my relationship with God, it's usually because I have moved, not him. It's usually because I have moved. He doesn't move. He's always there. 
Um, and there's a verse in Ephesians that says, in your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And don't give the devil a foothold. And the last question for today really is, another way of asking this question is, have I actually given the devil a foothold? Have I actually given the devil a reason to be in my life? Okay, and because, you know, he's, he's, he's a sly schemer, as we've already said. Um, and that word foothold, um, it's the, the, the Greek word is a topos. And it doesn't really mean a foothold. It means a landing place or an, some of the... Some of, some of the um, Translations transit an opportunity. Now, just imagine in the old days, a door-to-door salesman would come knocking on your door, ring the bell, you open the door, hello, I'm here to sell you such and such. You go, no, I'm not interested, thank you, shut the door. The, the salesman sticks his foot in the door. If he's got his foot in the door, then you can't shut the door on him. He says, hang on a minute, just let me talk about this. And so you open the door, and he's got a foothold. Now, it doesn't really work like that very much nowadays. It's usually on the phone, isn't it? I have a pathological hate of salesmen or women who phone me up. Because you know what they say? They don't say, hello, I'm here to sell you something. They say, hello, Mr. Hemming, how are you? And I say, hello, who are you? (laughs) And sometimes they don't tell me. And I go, if you can't tell me who you are, I'm going to put the phone down. Thank you very much. I get a bit grumpy in those situations. Um, Because I don't want to give them a foothold. I don't want that person to have any point in my life where they can jump off and try and sell me something. And it's kind of the same. That's what this word means when it says, don't give the devil a foothold. It means don't give him a place of ground. Don't give him an area of territory. Don't give him an opportunity. You know, if an army is invading, it will take a bit of ground and then it will stop there and it will use that as its foothold in the whatever bit of territory is and it will try and build from there. And that's what this verse is talking about. What does the devil's foothold look like in our lives? Well, it looks like us just doing things that take us further away from God. It looks like sin. It looks like us making mistakes. You know, Jesus was able to say of the devil, he has no hold over me. He has no opportunity in my life. If you remember the the bit of uh, temptation that we read about, Jesus resisted the devil's temptation at every opportunity. Now, we're probably not quite up there. In fact, it's probably reality to say we will always find ourselves struggling with sin in one way or another for the rest of our lives. I mean, perfection would be amazing. And if you get there, come and tell me how to do it, please. Um, But Paul does teach us that there's no temptation that we can have that we can't withstand. God won't let us ever be tempted beyond what we can bear. And so the answer is, you know, do demons and spirits have um, an influence in our lives? Sometimes, yes, they do. Can we be possessed by them? No, I don't think so. Not if the Holy Spirit's living here. But can they influence us? Yes, possibly. How does that look? Well, it looks like us giving them a place in our lives. It looks like us giving them a landing pad or an opportunity so that they can get in and start stirring things up from there. So how do we deal with that? Well, it's very simple. We just deal with our sin. And as Mark said last week, you know, forgiveness is there for us. We have been forgiven. God loves us. You know, God hates sin because sin puts a barrier between us and him. But he does not hate us. He loves us. When my kids do things wrong or against me, it can be painful. It can be upsetting. It can be difficult. And it can put distance between us, but it does not stop me loving them. We'll deal with it and we'll move on. And I, you know, hate the sin, love the sinner. That's God's way of doing things. And so right at the end of today, 
I just want to give us an opportunity. Um, and this is a tool that we learned a few years ago. And if you were around then, you might remember it. And it's a tool called the five R's. And this is just, if you find that you're ever stuck in terms of like, you know, I've got something going on in my life and I feel bad about it. If you find that you're constantly believing the lies that the devil is telling you about guilt and shame and look what you did wrong and why can't you ever change that and what's the problem with you anyway, then these are just some really simple steps. Five very simple steps. I'm very good at this, by the way. I pray this most days, sometimes several times. Okay, I think this is probably my most common prayer. And it's recognize what's gone on, just acknowledge it. It's repent of it and turn away. It's receive the love and the forgiveness of God. And then it's rebuke the devil and say, you can't tell me that stuff anymore. And then it's replace it. What's the truth? What's the truth here now? I'm a child of the king. I'm not a sinner. I'm a saint. I have been, you know, my fundamental nature changed. And so as we finish this morning, um, there's some sheets there if you'd like to take one. There's some here and there's some at the back as well um, if you'd like to take one and follow up further. But what I'd love to do just as we finish, and we'll perhaps go into some ministry for a minute after this, is I'd just love to lead us in a bit of a prayer of uh, repentance. Um, and so it may be that there's nothing for you to deal with, and that's absolutely fine. <laughs> um, and it may be that there is. So what we're going to do is we're just going to be quiet, and I think we'll stay sitting down. But I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit just to show us if there is anything in our life right now where we have inadvertently given the enemy a foothold, where he's got a landing pad or a landing place or an opportunity to come and have a go at us because of something we've done that's put distance between us and God. Now, let me say absolutely clearly, there is no judgment here. There's no condemnation here. There's just the grace and the love and the mercy of God. And so just have a moment, and then I'll lead you through. I'll just lead us through this prayer. And Lord Jesus, would you show us? Holy Spirit, would you come and show us? We thank you that when tough times are happening, we, ha we can stand firm. We thank you that we can discern what's going on, and we thank you, Lord, that if there's any distance between us or the, the enemy has any foothold in our lives, that we can bring these things to you and we can see complete freedom from them today so Lord show us if there's anything that we need to bring to before you this morning show us if there's an area of our lives where there's distance between us and you because of some actions that we've taken show if there's anything you want us to work through just show us what that is this morning So just doing business with the Lord for yourself, I would just love you to, first thing, just recognise. I find it an easiest thing to say is, Lord, I recognise that, dot, 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 this has happened, I have done this. I humbly recognise and acknowledge my sin, my or my actions. Just take a moment to do that. and Confess what that looks like. And tell God. I mean, he knows anyway. So you're not telling him anything he doesn't know. But it's important for processing. It's important for us to get it off our chest. I recognise my sin. And then the next step is to repent. And repent means to turn our backs on. 
And you might want to say something like, Lord, I repent of dot, dot, dot. I turn my back on this. I walk the other way. I don't want this in my life anymore. I repent. And the third thing is to receive God's complete forgiveness and his love. And so I find it really helpful to say, I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. I receive your grace. I acknowledge it. I take it on board. I choose to accept that I'm forgiven. I receive your love. Thank you for your love. And then the fourth thing is to rebuke. Uh, and if you know specifically, if you, can, if you know that there are spirits or things against you, or even just emotions or actions that have come against you, and you know what they are, just rebuke them. Just say, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. If you don't know what they are, just say, I, I rebuke the enemy. I rebuke you and all your, all your spirits. I break your power and say, you're not allowed to be here anymore because I am a child of the king. I am in Jesus. I am loved and accepted and forgiven. And it's done. And then the last thing to say is, and I replace. I replace lies with truth. I replace shame with freedom. And just ask the Lord what he gives you in, in this space. What do you, give, what do you give me in this moment? What do you give me in this space? I replace Shame with joy. I replace frustration with freedom. And it's done. And I rejoice. That's the extra bonus sixth R. I rejoice in God. I rejoice in who he is and who I am. Why don't we stand together? Why don't we just offer the Holy Spirit? Come on, why don't we just offer the Holy Spirit a moment to see if there's anything else He would love to do? I realise I've gone on a little bit over time today. We don't quite have to pick up our kids yet. Let's just take a moment or two, and let's just say, Holy Spirit, come. Thank you that you have been here as we have done business with you. We welcome the work of your Spirit here. And I just had this sense this morning that there are some of us who really have struggled to stand in, the spe- in, place of, in the face of really tough times. And if that's you, we would love to pray with you. We would love to pray with you. If you are having a really difficult time and you just love to come and stand before the cross, I can't guarantee that everything will go away, but we would love to pray. If you're feeling ill, if you're in crisis... If you just need an encounter with the Holy Spirit, we would love to pray for you this morning. And we don't have a lot of time, so in a second I'm going to give you an opportunity to come up. Do you want anything? Do you got anything to add? The other thing is I feel like there are some people who just don't fully, you could, you know, I'm talking about identity, I'm talking about knowing who we are. And you would say that, you, that that's hard for you too grasp. For whatever reason, there are 
There may be tons of reasons, but if you don't know who God says you are, if that's a struggle for you, again, we'd love to pray for you. We'd just love to pray that God would give you an encounter, actually, of who you are. There are people in this church this morning who would love to pray for you. And so if that's you, if you're struggling, if life has been difficult, if you've lost sight of who you are, if you've forgotten who you are, if you've forgotten who God says you are, or if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus and you just love to come to him, we'd love to pray for you. So if I could ask that some of our life group leaders would just come out um, and be prepared to pray, just come down to the front now. And then those of you who want to respond, those of us, why don't you just come? Let's have the worship guys back up as well. But why don't you just come? If you love to respond to what God is saying and doing, if you love to have someone pray for you, why don't you just make your way out to the front? And there are people here who would love to pray. If you are having a difficult time, if you know that God is on your case, if something's going on today, if you feel stuck in your relationship with him, or if you're just feeling dark forces, or if you're ill, And I wouldn't say this often, but I think there are some people who, I just don't want, again, I don't want to force this at all, but there's, there may be one or two people here, and you just have this sense that the enemy has an assignment against you, that something is coming against you, and you don't quite know how to respond to that or how to pray with it. Again, we'd love to pray for you. So why don't you do that? If that's you, we'd love to pray.